Hello and welcome to the Lean on Agile show. I'm Shaheen, your host. And today I have a dear friend of mine that I had the pleasure to work with, Anna. Um, thank you, Anna, for, for joining me. Hi, Shaheen. Really lovely to be here. Thank you for bringing me on. Early, I was just, uh, you know, uh, complimenting you on that background of yours. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Um, so, so tell us, tell us who Anna is. Who is Anna? Anna is so many different people. And of course, these days, the Anna I am is probably, uh, you know, the person you are not as familiar with, because when we work together, uh, we were working in tech. And so I kind of transitioned away from doing research and I went into the coaching space. And the catalyst mm -hmm. for that was uh, this um, process of uh, working at an amazing job that I loved and then uh, coming across this situation where I couldn't work anymore and not knowing what's going on and starting to look for help from different professionals, later finding out it's burnout and no one really being able to give me all the answers to how am I going to get my energy back and mm -hmm. will I feel like a normal human being ever again? <laughs> And at that point, Shaheen, and I'm curious if you share my sentiment, uh, because I was reassessing my life, I really felt like a lot of my friends were burning out to tech mm -hmm. all around me. And I kind of felt like I partially contributed to this state of affairs that we're in because we've built up all this technology that is super sophisticated. And it seems like we were all suffering the repercussions of this informational overload, constantly being inundated with uh, various ways of uh, basically trapping our dopamine and making us uh, into users, right? Like in tech, when we build stuff, we build it for users. Right. And the only other place where they refer to people as users is when they work with addiction and like drug use. <laughs> So, you know, we've been building all this stuff for users, ourselves included. Man. And I remember very distinctly before I started feeling completely useless, I was spending my evenings just scrolling LinkedIn, like all mm. evening and thinking that um, I'm doing something productive and there's got to be a reason why I'm on here. I'm networking or doing something or building a personal brand. But then, you know, later it became apparent to me as I learned more about the neurochemical processes behind how we use social media is that it was nothing more than just a pure digital addiction. So mm -hmm. to kind of cut that story short, as I was rethinking what I'm doing in life and where I'm going, I really felt like because when I was a kid, the whole reason why I even got into this field trying to build better things for people is because I was hoping to make a positive change in the world mm -hmm. but it wasn't really feeling like that anymore so I thought maybe instead I'm gonna try to help people actually cope and deal with all this technological digital burnout that's uh, out there that's how I got into NLP coaching so I retrained as an NLP coach and then because uh, I was into biohacking, that's part of what I was uh, helping people with as well. So kind of like taking this uh, holistic approach, right? Mind, right. body, and systems type of thing. So yeah, that's kind of the, the Anna <laughs> right. today. 
Right. And uh, 2.0 or 2.0 after, after a couple of uh, uh, turning points in her life. I'm, I'm very glad. So I, I love to talk about NLP and we, we get to that. But um, uh, could you remember what was what was that moment that you, you figured out um, or, or it was hinted to you that I, you need to change direction? Could you tell us about that? moment and what did you do because some of our audience might not knowingly be in that moment right what um what pointed out to you that you need to take a different direction or what was the thing like burnout i heard about that but tell us more about it that is such a great question because uh no one sees it coming and uh the natural reaction that we have is to keep pushing keep mm -hmm. doing stuff until it's too late and then you just shut down physiologically and you can't keep pushing and so the way that people can recognize the signs of uh, getting into this uh, more severe stage uh, of burnout is they become sort of cynical um, unhappy everything seems very unsatisfying to them it's difficult to enjoy the things that you used to enjoy in the past even hobbies and mm. doing things um, so people often find that they're maybe not even happy with the work they're doing and they feel like it's not bringing them the satisfaction anymore and then of course exhaustion and just feeling like you don't have enough energy to do stuff mm -hmm. and you wake up tired every morning so all of that together that's kind of a sign also body pains any kind of like changes uh, weight gain weight loss all of that stuff and the thing that's interesting about it is that you don't have that one specific point where you realize oh something is you know this is it yeah. uh, because it's a it's a build up it happens over months and years so for me, when I started looking back, I realized because I started doing research. So I'm a researcher, so I couldn't help but had to dig into it and establish kind of like the theory of burnout, right. understand the academic research, the state of the, you know, uh, where we're at with it. And what I found out is that um, the research that's out there, it's kind of outdated because it's mm -hmm. very much work related that's how it's framed because it was studied as a work related issue so people think oh i just worked too much i worked too hard right. and you know i just need to work less but of course that's just one of the data points in this equation but the rest is the fact that we essentially grow up never learning the right habits or patterns mm -hmm. of living to prevent this and so eventually, at some point in life, this allostatic load, which is the stress load, it just gets too much. And so we slowly get there. And because it's gradual, we don't notice. Mm -hmm. And so one day you'll find, oh, I'm kind of tired, but whatever. I'll just have more coffee. And that becomes a thing. Uh, or you go to the gym more and you try to work out to kind of push away the tiredness. But at some point, life just becomes kind of miserable and very mm -hmm. dissatisfying. 
And so at that point, there is no need to wait for like further signals. This is the time to kind of do something and really change it. Uh, And, you know, uh, some people go on vacation. But when you get to that point, uh, vacation won't fix it. You have to change your life. Burnout is essentially an invitation to completely rethink your personality, uh, your lifestyles, and whether you're living in alignment with what is essentially your values. I love it when you said that you you saw these things and typically people that saw these indicators of burnout, like gain weight, don't enjoy life anymore, like they they get into themselves uh, and they don't do the research. I love that you took on the task and head on to it with it and um, done the research, find out what is missing, right? And so so tell us, like if, if, if for example, I as a person saw those signs, um, what are the things that one person should do um, now that you have done the research? Uh, share some, of, I'm under, I understand that everyone will be different probably, but um, something that we can take away if we find ourselves in that state. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly, I think stopping and trying to understand where you're at in life. And um, don't get me wrong, I wasn't doing the research out of curiosity. It was out of sheer necessity. It just happens mm-hmm. to be that, you know, I'm a researcher. So when I couldn't get the right kind of help, I had to go and figure out what's going on because I've tried a lot of different things. And that's how I was able to kind of understand what exactly is happening. Uh, but, you know, you want to pause. That is the hardest thing that you have to do immediately. Mm-hmm. There is a temptation to keep going. There is a very scary feeling of, oh, I don't know if I can take a couple of months off or that feeling of, I don't know if I can reduce my workload or say no to some clients or something like that. But you have to do that so you can at least get yourself some breathing space to figure out what the next steps are. So, you know, the clients I've worked with so far, what we do is we then, uh, you know, once we create that space, look at what are they doing and start kind of tracking and assessing uh, what kinds of behaviors on a day-to-day basis. How do they do their work? How do they, you know, sleep, eat, all of that stuff? What kinds of emotions they experience? That helps you bring back awareness of what's happening with you. Why is that important? Because when people suffer from this kind of state of being under chronic stress for a while, they disconnect from their emotions. Uh, it's a state of kind of depersonalization. So sometimes people mistake it for having uh, a thick skin. Mm-hmm. But what it actually is, is a stress response, a survival mechanism. But when you disconnect from those signals, you no longer know what you need. That's why some people, they are chronically dehydrated. Other people have terrible eating and, you know, um, other self-care habits that they don't even realize they have because they've disconnected so much from their, you know, vitals, I guess. So you have to bring back awareness of that. So start tracking, start noticing what you're doing, be more mindful of what you're doing. And of course, get some help because... I'm sure it's um, tempting to just do it all on your own, but like for me, I tried to go to 
every kind of professional I could before I had to <laughs> kind of try biohacking and other things. But um, yeah, a vacation is not a good option to solve it fundamentally right. because it's not an issue of being just kind of tired. It's an issue of uh, compounding effect of lifestyle habits and choices. Those build up over years and years, decades. Right. And, and a vacation would be like a drug that a doctor prescribed for you to reduce the symptoms, not to solve the root cause, I guess, from what you what you are saying. Um, and so tell, tell us all about this NLP and how, how, what is NLP, first of all, and how that plays plays a role in, in, in the things that you do. Because um, in the agile world, we, we hear that here and there, that NLP, you can use NLP as well uh, when you're working with teams and, and leadership as well. Um, so tell us more about that. I'm eager to hear. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's pretty cool, actually, that uh, you mentioned your audience might be interested in that. Um, a lot of the time, people don't even know what neurolinguistic programming is. But, um, you know, when you talk to someone who's already familiar with it, that's a good start. Uh, some people think it's something shady where you basically mm-hmm. manipulate folks into, ooh, I'm going to talk to you a special way and you're going to do things for me. <laughs> Well, uh, certainly, I think there are some people out there who are able to use this uh, in a nefarious kind of way, but everything is about intent, certainly. And so for me, for example, as a coach, the intent would be to help you figure out what patterns you subconsciously run in terms of, if we think of our mind as an operating system, Uh, what kinds of algorithms are written into it that are making you do certain things right now? And we can find that out through language. Um, And language is kind of like an output, like you would get a computer to do a printout of uh, of a code. So that's, that's what it is. It tells you. It tells you what your thinking patterns are. And you're so used to them that you won't notice them yourself. But someone else will pick up on it and they'll go, oh, why are you saying that? What does that mean about the way you see the world? Mm-hmm. And so that person will start reflecting on it. And that's where change happens. And I think uh, probably agile coaches would be very much interested in this because they are all about making change happen. And that is a process of communicating and connecting with people. And frankly, the, the longer I spend with NLP, the more I realize that all it is is just being really savvy at communication, mm-hmm. uh, becoming a more honest person with yourself and others. And also uh, just becoming a better listener as well. Mm-hmm is really important for connecting with people well so there are all these techniques and all of that but certainly if you think about nlp in a nutshell it's how we can decode language Mm -hmm. and then use language to better connect with people and their thinking patterns and if those people so choose help them make change in their life Mm -hmm. Um, would it be a fair sentence to say that nlp is rewriting the pattern language for you? Yeah, yeah, so that's another part of it, right? Uh, Identify the patterns and then you can change them. Mm -hmm. uh, For example, uh, 
I, at one point, I found out when I started working on my uh, postural alignment, I realized that I sink my head into my shoulders a lot, mm -hmm. sort of unconsciously as I walk around. And bringing a pattern of uh, thinking, the language pattern popped up, which is something I used to hear a lot as a kid which is don't stand out because I was born in the Soviet Ukraine and we were very much conditioned by the communist culture mm -hmm. to be as kind of non-unique as possible because that is a very threatening thing. If people think you're better uh, than mm -hmm. them in whichever way, <laughs> financially or talent wise, they would absolutely destroy you. Uh, right. And so as a survival mechanism, what got encoded into us is learning to kind of be in the middle, be like everyone else, you know, try not to stick out too much. And so that was ingrained through the language patterns in my sight. Right. And my body was just kind of adapting, sh shaping, molding to that thought pattern. Right. Right? Um, I, can, I can relate to that as well. Um, back in Iran that I used, I used to live, we, we are part of a minority, religious minority that it's called Zoroastrian and most of the people from Iran is Muslim. Uh, and we, uh, if you look back at the people that are part of our minority, you can see the similar patterns in them, right? You, you live there as if you're, you're in the middle, not that many people to stand out and, and for, for many different reasons. So, and it reflects back now that I'm um, as you said, right, um, coaches, I'm working with a coach as well, and that pops up here and there, like when I'm talking about, about my challenges, it goes back all the way to um, how and uh, when you have been brought up as well. Um, it's it ingrained in us, um, and it's always good to, to talk uh, to a coach about it. Um, awesome. Um, and now you become 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 a coach. So how how is life like a coach different than when you were in tech? Um... <laughs> mm. Well, I really enjoy it because I always enjoyed working with people. And as a researcher and someone who had to manage complex pro um, projects and kind of you know grease the wheels of collaboration, I always had to figure out how to connect with people and communicate with them better, especially when I'm trying to deliver less than pleasant research findings and briefing the stakeholders on something they don't want to hear. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so for me, it was, um, you know, something that felt like a good kind of transition. It didn't feel like it was completely foreign or too difficult to embrace. And I learned a lot. In fact, I would say through becoming a business owner, I've learned mm -hmm. a lot and I feel like I've actually become a better person in many ways because some of the things that I assumed about others previously, when I started doing, I realized, A, take a lot of effort and then B, um, people are not nearly as uh, kind of interested in sort of rubbing you the wrong way um, if before maybe I was too focused on myself and kind of how I was feeling about interacting with people. As a business owner, you start realizing that 
no one really cares. People are out yeah. there just trying to do things, get things done and whatever. And you kind of take your feelings too seriously. So in many ways, it was a really good growth process for me. Mm-hmm. You know, whether whether I was going to continue doing it or not, it wouldn't almost matter because I just gained so much and I grew in yeah. so many different ways. Right. Is there is a, a brand that associated with your business that you want to mention that? Sure, sure. If that's okay, yeah. yeah. Uh, I run Burnout Broccoli Coaching. Yeah. So Burnout Broccoli is uh, the the fun name I came up with uh, when I was going through my recovery process. And one of the things I had to do in the, in the, you know in changing how I was eating, I had to start consuming a lot more greens, a Broccoli. lot of fiber. <laughs> and so I was trying to figure out, yuck, greens. Which one should I eat? And, you know, broccoli was kind of something that I started enjoying. So broccoli and I became good friends and here we are. The most favorite uh, green that is out there, I'm sure by everyone's consensus would be broccoli. Like who doesn't like broccoli, right? I met some people, (laughs) which is really hurting my brand. So maybe Uh I should put together a broccoli lobby. Yeah, um, yeah, uh, it's, it's 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 a very catchy name, Bernard Broccoli. I I love that name. Now I want to ask you a, a kind of related questions. Um, the business that I started is called Elevate Change. So tell me a little about when when Elevate Change. Someone tells you Elevate Change, what what comes to your mind? Um, right away, elevators come to mind, okay. uh, which means that you are moving something up. Mm-hmm. from it being kind of over here to like a higher better state and naturally change is a process of going also from one state to another so together it communicates to me that um, you are taking people from one state to a better state mm-hmm. yeah that that's a hope i guess uh, hopefully <laughs> hopefully I, I i can do that or my friend and can do that and how um you, you so so most of most of the change that you're involved is at the personal level you work with people and help them through their burnout through their challenges that they have um at what point um would you uh, consider uh, um let, let me see if, how can i ask these questions um properly at what point would you consider that they need some, uh, uh, and that's a, that's a question about what's the difference between a coach and probably a um, um, trained psychologist, like someone that is really need needs some help, right? Because um, we talked about some of some of the um, indicators that if you are, for example, burned out, if you are feeling tired, if you in a desperate need of vacation, those are dealing with symptoms, right? But when people had to have a uh, maybe an experience to share with us that someone come to you and goes, oh, this is really serious. I need, I need to refer them to someone that takes care of it, um, like uh, in a different dimension right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, excellent question. So the only time I would uh, refer someone to a therapist is when people tell me that they are suicidal, mm-hmm. uh, and that's kind of like an ethical thing to do, I think. But even in that case, uh, there is still hope for them. And some people who come to me, 
actually have worked with therapists in the past. Mm. They've tried a bunch of things. So one of the clients I'm working with uh, right now, you know, without disclosing too much, has tried a lot of different things, including Mm. some of the popular uh, psychedelic rituals right now. (laughs) So people go through different things and try different things. And one of the reasons I'm out here doing this is because I found that NLP can be a quicker and different alternative to therapy because what happens in therapy, it's based on psychoanalysis, uh, which is rooted in the Freudian theory, 1800s. And there is a lot of talking about stuff and getting to the uh, core of your trauma. And uh, in some ways, what we now understand is happening in that process is re-traumatization of the person. And oftentimes there are folks who have been going to therapy since they were 18. Mm -hmm. And to this day as adults, they're still doing therapy and yet they're burning out repeatedly. Why? Because they've never actually changed some of these patterns of thinking and living. And if therapy is about talking, by the way, uh, therapy is really good. I I don't want to knock down therapy by any means because I too have worked with a therapist and I've benefited. So it's a great option. But what I'm talking about is the reason that some people don't actually get uh, a proper resolution from therapy, even after years of doing it. And so this old model of just kind of talking about your problems, um, it can be helpful. But there is also another way which can be faster. And NLP is one of those ways. And uh, for example, when I was working with someone who was suffering from severe panic attacks uh, since Mm -hmm. she was a teenager, at one point she was able to not have a panic attack after just, you know, five minutes conversation, she was able to dissolve it. And she was able to start building the habit of getting in control of it. And she also has worked with different uh, professionals in the past on it. In another case, we were able to alleviate the symptoms of PTSD in uh, as little as three minutes for someone who was just assaulted. So the reason this works is because our physiology and mind has been intelligently designed to recover uh, Mm -hmm. and recover really efficiently We just need to allow it and give it space to do that work. And when we approach it, so NLP approaches it kind of like from the core of this operating system that's around your mind. So we don't need to dig into your trauma. We don't need to understand, you know, how mom and dad were mean to you or whatever Mm -hmm. happened in the childhood and explore all that stuff. We can just process those emotions and release the person from it. And then what comes next is building habits. That's one thing that I think is missing from a lot of uh, therapy services today, because talking about stuff is nice, but change doesn't happen if you don't actually start living and embodying these new patterns of thinking. So Mm -hmm. habit formation is uh, the next important step, which kind of seals the deal. And so the way NLP works, it's through pattern interrupts, language patterns, uh, anchoring people in uh, good emotions. And also Mm. it's a powerful way of reframing stuff. And another reason that, you know, it's an option for people who are considering therapy is 
um, because for NLP practitioners who, let's say, have been through certain experiences themselves, there is something that happens on a neurochemical level when mm -hmm. two people come together and one person can almost impress a certain attitude or, or kind of like pattern of thinking onto another person. And sometimes when you work with a specialist who maybe hasn't uh, experienced some of the things you've been through, it may be a little bit harder for you to believe them or kind of like feel like this thing will work. So yeah, that's kind of like another added benefit of, right. of this approach. Right. And one question that I typically ask from, from my guests on, on the podcast is that, is there any specific um, resource, any book, any video, any anything that you can refer to people to, and, and you um, uh, liked it most through your career? And I want to ask you, because we talked a lot about NLP, is there any introductory maybe for the people that are listening to um, to take a look at or read a little bit about um, that you can refer us to? Okay, it's a good question because somebody asked me that question before and I should probably be better prepared for it, but I frankly, I don't have anything to recommend. Okay. So, I mean, I'm sure any book you look up uh, on NLP will be a good one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, what can I tell you? I don't know, I haven't really thought about it because I didn't learn from books, right? Mm -hmm. I had a really good coach uh, who trained me. Um, so yeah, probably any kind of reading up that's out there is uh, worthwhile. Right. Um, and um, you can, can refer to that coach if you want. If you want. Um... Sure. Yeah, his name is David Key. Okay. Okay, so David Key um, is a coach that is like a very good NLP coach, I guess. And um, what's what's next for Anna? So now that you're here, you're focused on coaching people. What's 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 the next challenge that's coming your way? The next challenge is to have a steady running operation and just keep improving my offer. I want to make sure that I'm delivering value to people, delivering it more quickly and having them see great results. So iterating, right? Agile. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> true, true. Lots of the things that you mentioned was very um, uh, close to heart of agile coaches and agilists, right? working with people, understanding them, helping them not focus on the problem, but focus on what's next and what's better, right? Like all of these things that you can um, get through um, NLP. So uh, how long did it take for you to learn, learn NLP? Is it like, um, like one week or is it like a very big investment that needs people to do? How long does it take for people to get started on that? Um, took me probably about a year. Okay. But um, I mean, it's an ongoing process, right? Uh, I understand it more deeply as I as I practice it. Right. And that's where a lot of the learning is happening. And I start remembering, oh, right, that's why mm -hmm. the coach was talking about that thing. Oh, okay, well, this makes sense. You have to embody the knowledge. So, um, mm -hmm. yeah, of course, mm -hmm. uh, with practice... Um for me, it would take like twice as much. The audience, keep in mind that Anna is a very smart person here. So. Oh, no, 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 no. 
know, I, I think I think it's all about practice. So mm. I'm sure if you got into it, you would figure it out really right. quickly, maybe even faster than me. <laughs> right. And was was it any any step that you have taken that you would have taken differently now that you look back after after this journey that you become here? Mm. You mean maybe some of the stuff I did or yeah. like decisions in the past? Yeah, maybe maybe something that you have did and it was it was not necessary and you spent time on it and you figure out that was a base or maybe something that you could have done faster. Mm -hmm. um, and sorry, is that in the business journey or just overall? Overall, like whichever, overall. yeah. Mm -hmm. For sure, I realized how uptight I was about my work in the past and how I was taking the stuff I was doing too seriously. And... Um, you know, when we connect uh, our self-validation to our work, it's always a bad recipe mm -hmm. for bad things to happen. So when we put so much pride and so much, you know, thought into making our work, let's say when I was a researcher, making our work uh, kind of a vehicle for gaining that validation from others, life becomes really, really difficult. And so I didn't understand some of the people who, for example, uh, were the nine to fivers that would live right on time or have to, you know, do some family things or show up late because maybe they were picking up their kids from school because I was so invested in just work and efficiency. Right. And um, I do regret that because I... I wasted a lot of opportunities to just live life and enjoy and have a more relaxed way of being. Mm -hmm. So anyone out there who's super uptight about their work, honestly, from a person who burnt out and was feeling useless for a couple of years, mm -hmm. uh, you know, it would serve you well to kind of expand the horizons. <laughs> right. And and it takes courage to say that. Like, I'm, I'm very, um, very... Um proud to have a guest that brings brings that up and, and share that with, with, with the audience of, of this podcast and the public right so not not many people do that and when you were talking about being uptight this came to my mind life is too short to take it seriously right so at the end of the day um life is too short so why why be uh, very hard on ourselves on that right and get ourselves to to the point that we are burned out not being happy right happiness is uh, uh you need to find it yourself not not um the the, the, uh, the surroundings bring it for you or the things that you have um anna was there anything that uh, we wanted to talk about that we forgot to mention anything that uh um slipped our mind well i'd love to elaborate on this elusive pursuit of happiness yeah. uh, what what happens, uh, what we understand about stress response is that when a person is really wound up and they're so into their work or pursuing something, they literally can't enjoy simple things. So mm -hmm. you have to make a conscious choice and effort to relearn enjoying the simple things like socializing with your loved ones, uh, friends who maybe 
aren't uh, work friends, people who do other stuff that maybe you aren't as interested in, uh, just learn to enjoy the aspects of life that you started pushing away from yourself. It's a conscious effort. And happiness is not something that I used to think just happens when you finally get this position uh, at work or when you finally make this amount of money or when you finally you know arrive to a different destination then happiness happens but it doesn't and i saw people in my family spend their whole life getting to retirement and still not find that happiness because they were hoping that happiness is somewhere at the end of some Mm -hmm. kind of road but happiness is a choice it's a process it's being present and aware and if at any point i start getting too wrapped up in something that's a sure sign that i'm gonna lose that happiness because i'm not being present so practicing that aspect of mindfulness is really important and get your loved ones to keep an eye on you too Mm -hmm. because they're really good at spotting when you're getting into a pattern yeah exactly um typically when i run um a feedback session with with teams and uh when we give feedback uh, on -on one-on-one basis the team give them feedback i tell them that the feedback that you receive the best person to evaluate it would be with your loved one so if for example people give you feedback that you don't take ownership you might it might be very hard to accept it but go and ask your loved ones is that true about me and they are the best person to tell you yeah it could be or no it couldn't be right and the same thing the same thing right i think i think uh, when uh, you have your loved ones around you family friends that are very close to you they can easily tell if you're happy or not right so and and if you don't see any of those indicators, you can tell yourself if you're burned out or not. Just ask around. Guys, do you see me as a happy person? And if they tell you you're not a happy person, you should do something about it. And uh, um, eat more broccoli, not the burnout ones. Uh, but if you see you you are eating the burnout broccoli, you can reach out to Anna for, for some, some advice and some coaching. Um, thank you, Anna. Thank you, Anna, for being on the show. Uh, how can people get in touch with you if they want to i'm on instagram twitter and linkedin uh so just look for burnout broccoli Uh, on instagram i like fun kind of content uh and videos and stuff so if you guys just want to be entertained a little bit uh go there linkedin is a little bit more you know suit on kind of (laughs) yeah twitter i guess twitter and instagram is where i spend most of my time anyone can find me on there okay burnout broccoli check it out thank you so much anna for being on the show uh i hope you enjoyed it as much as i did and i hope to have you soon again on the show i really enjoyed it thank you so much Shaheen. such a lovely way to connect and you have great questions and i'm really happy to be able to share thank you